0: Welcome back to another glass of Charlie Faye. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope that you're having a fantastic start to your week. This episode is an episode I've been wanting to do for a very long time and haven't gotten around to doing it because I was holding on to a lot of fear. And today I was able to sit down virtually with a really good friend, Annalise, who is also a domestic violence survivor, as well as myself. And we unpacked a lot. I gave her the platform to be able to share her story and her experiences. And she invited me to share my own as well. So I hope you'll have a listen and thank you so much for being here. All right guys, so we are here with Annalise today and I am basically giving her the platform to be able to tell her story. Um, domestic violence in women especially has, is, is such a huge problem, especially today. There's, there just came, seems to be more and more and more that's coming up and more women are telling their stories. Um, so I just really wanted to give her the platform to be able to tell her story. So Annalise, can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Annalise McLaughlin. I'm 32. I live in Norton with my husband and my new baby. And um, I'm an is so cute,
0: by the way. <laughs> he is.
1: Because she took the pictures for us, so she knows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's beautiful. And yeah, that's pretty much, I have a dog who I'm obsessed with and that's my life. Yeah.
0: I love that. Um, so <laughs> tell us a little bit, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what you went through. I know a little bit, okay, but like so, I, I, I'd love to know yeah. the whole story. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm just gonna preface this by saying this is entirely like my own personal experience, and I don't want to take away from anybody else's trauma. Absolutely, um, because I know everybody has a different experience, and um, this is just how I feel about my situation. Um, so, I was in university. I went to UNB, Fredericton, um, and I started when I was 18. Um, so it was probably I think it was around Christmas. I've never checked, but it was around Christmas. And, um, we had friends from Sussex come over and we were all having drinks, like close friends that we went to high school with. And I got way too drunk really quickly, (laughs) of course. Um, and so this guy said like, I'll walk you home. No worries because we were in a different house. So he took me back to my house and like thought nothing of it. We were friends in high school. Um, he's a super nice guy. Um, known him for a decent amount of time. Like his girlfriend was there. Um, he came up with his girlfriend. Um, He'd never once come on to me. So it wasn't really a problem. Um, So he helped me back to my room and that was fine. And um, I remember turning around to close the door and he like slammed the door back open um, and pinned me against my closet. And I was like very intoxicated. So I had no strength and I just, um, I was trying to push him off me, but it wasn't doing anything. Um, and I remember just saying like, no, like get off me. But if I don't even know if that was coming out properly. Um, but anyway, so he raped me and I woke up in my bed alone. And that was that. Um, so
0: do you remember, do you kind of like remember what happened or is that?
1: No, was I think blacked out? I, I don't know if it's blackout or I blocked it out. But you wake up, you know you had sex. Um yeah. And or not consensual sex, but yeah. Um, and I do remember like I remember until it was actually happening. Like I remember trying to get them off me and trying um to push them away and stuff. But after that, there's nothing. But I've never gone to therapy before. I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might be able to get that back. But um, um, so like I didn't tell anybody because at the time I was being extremely promiscuous, <laughs> um, I was having a wild year. I had just broken up with my boyfriend um, of like three years from high school. So I had a, a good first year of university. <laughs> um, and so that's why I didn't know if anyone would believe me if I said it was rape because I wasn't like, this wasn't a secret that I was having sex with like multiple people. Um, and I didn't want somebody to think that I had just had sex with him and then regretted it and said it was rape, which was going through my head. And it was also my friend's boyfriend. Um, so I didn't want her to think I had seduced him or like that it had gone on for longer or that I knew about it. And then I was kind of doubting myself too. Like I was like, I was really drunk. Um, like, did I say something that led him on? Did I did I try and seduce him? And I just don't remember that part. Um, but even if I had done that, I guess like I know this now, but even if I had done that, um, by the time we got back to my room, I was not consenting. Um, So it was still rape. Um, And then I guess the other thing is when I think of rape, I think of like severe trauma. I think of like physical violence and he didn't physically hurt me. Um, There were no bruises. There were no scars. There were no cuts. Um, He probably didn't really have to try that hard because I was very drunk. Um, So there was no force. So I wasn't even sure if I had been raped. Um, so I didn't say anything to anyone and I just kind of blocked it out and pretended it didn't happen for three years.
0: Isn't it horrible that your first thought was, is anyone going to believe me?
1: Yeah, it's really awful. And I know so many people that that's happened to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like the, it, the, the statistics are so high for this kind of stuff and it's, mm. it's not taken seriously enough. So when it does happen, that is immediately the first thought.
1: Yeah. Especially if you're like, like I said, I was having sex with a lot of people. Um, I mean, even if you're not, somebody might not think that, but I know I've heard people say I, you know, this guy did this to me and people are like, did he though? Did he really like? Oh, you're, you God. know, that breaks so. my
0: heart, and that completely takes away from your your own experience. Like that takes away from your trauma, and that's horrible. Like that's you you were the one that experienced it, and your feelings are valid, and whatever whatever you're still carrying is valid. And for someone to sit next to you and tell you that, you know, like, did it really actually happen? Did it right? Did, you know what I mean? Like that just takes away from your whole from the entire thing
1: I know although to be fair for a little while I didn't tell anyone so it was literally just me thinking that but just because of other people's experiences yeah But
0: still you didn't tell anyone because you didn't think anyone would believe yeah and that's and I wasn't a child
1: or anything like I didn't think my mom wouldn't believe me like I was an adult yeah
0: yeah (laughs) and I think that like there's what you were talking about before this whole stigma around like what rape is supposed to look like Yeah. And how it is, it's so different in every single situation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It just, the fact that like, we, we think about what it is and if, if it doesn't fit that specific image, then it's like, okay, well then it's, it might not fit that category. Exactly. But if it wasn't consensual, then it was rape.
1: Yeah. Which I know now, thankfully, (laughs) but absolutely. um, Yeah, no, it was really awful. So how have you been, so this was how long ago? So this was in 2007. So I was 18. So 13 years or yeah, 14 years ago, I guess now. So how has this
0: like affected you, I guess, like long-term, like how, how have you been carrying this?
1: Um, well, so for three years, I just kind of like pretended it didn't happen. Um, and then, I went to a New Year's Eve party in Sussex. Like, I had moved back to Sussex three years later after living in a couple other places. And um, I went to a girl from high school. She had a New Year's Eve party, and he was there. And it was the first time I'd seen him in three years, um, um, like since that incident. Um, and I had blocked him. Like, I think back then we only had Facebook anyway.
0: <laughs> but yes. uh,
1: I deleted him or blocked him off Facebook. And um, yeah, so I hadn't seen or heard anything about him. Uh, or of him and um I'd had a couple drinks so I don't really know what came over me but I went up to him and I pulled him aside and I just looked at him and I said did you rate me and I was I don't know what I was hoping for like him to say no and it was all like a figure of my imagination or something and um he just looked at me and took a drink of his beer laughed and said yeah what the fuck are you gonna do about it so Oh, my then I knew God. for sure it was real. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes.
0: Yeah. So at that point, did you start like, did you tell someone at that point?
1: No, at the, I didn't Real, I didn't know what to do then. So I just took my boyfriend at the time and we left. Um, that's horrible. So the first it really, I, I, I didn't think he would say that. Like I was really no. hoping it would be, I, and he was, very blunt. Um, and he was right at that time, what can I do about it? So I just kind of left and I haven't, I still, I haven't seen since that incident, but, um, yeah. So, um, I didn't tell anyone until I was 26. Um, and I had just started dating Colby, my now husband. Um, we were like two weeks into the relationship and we were watching a movie on my couch and a rape scene came up. And he was like, hey, I don't know what he said. Something like, could you even imagine that happening to you? And I just hello. And kind of I was like, that actually, that actually happened to me. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd ever said it out loud. Oh my um, God. So that took that took eight years, so almost a decade. Um, and then I said it to him, and we had talked about it a few times, like um, once, so once we talked about it a few times, I think I told my sister, Lacia. And then I think I told my other sister and then I told my mom and then I told my best friend and then I told my other best friend. And now I would, I was going to say, I'd probably tell a stranger, but I guess I am telling a lot of strangers. Definitely. I'm very comfortable with it now, but, um, so yeah, for almost a decade, I just held it inside and didn't tell anybody
0: ever. Do you find that it affected any of your relationships as well? Just like having, having that such a huge secret that you were keeping to yourself? I don't
1: think so because I like, I really blocked it out. Like it was not there. Like I know some people have problems with like intimacy afterwards and that was not a problem. I almost went the opposite, which maybe, maybe that's why. Um, Yeah. um, uh, But I never, I didn't have any problems. I don't think I did. I might have and not realized that was why, but.
0: Do you find that when you, when you finally told someone about it, that it was like that acceptance that you finally like were accepting that it happened and it was almost like reliving that trauma over again?
1: Yeah, kind of. (laughs) It was a long day on the couch when I said that. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) My God. He was was amazing. Like he was so supportive. Like, I don't, I don't know what kind of reaction you'd expect from a significant other, but we were very new and, um. Yeah. I don't know. No, he was wonderful, but well,
0: that's good to know. And I mean, I'm
1: like sweating right now talking about, oh. <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like- of course.
0: I mean, like you, you kept it in for so long, but like, that is such a huge secret to keep for mm. yourself. You know what I mean? And I mean, you, you did try and block it out, but because you blocked it out for so long, like talking about it over again, like you're reliving those same traumas over again you know what i yeah. mean so you're reliving those same emotions over again that you blocked out for so long yeah it was
1: wild to say the least
0: wow um,
1: oh, yeah so
0: i'm so sorry that that happened to you like i thank it, you. it breaks it breaks my heart that this happens to so many women that don't feel like they can talk to someone about
1: it mm. Oh, after I started, well, like now, if anyone brings it up, I'll, I'll talk about it. I, I say, oh yeah, that actually happened to me. I say it probably a little too casually for some people. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I don't know where I was. I was at work actually. And I, somebody, um, had said something about, we were just talking about violence in general. And she was, she went on to sexual assault and she's, I want to say like 55 or maybe 60. Anyway, she's, and I said, Oh, that actually, you know, that happened to me. It was a long time ago, but I, I talk about it pretty freely now. She just kind of stopped like dead in her tracks and was like, I was raped when I was like 13 and I've never told anyone.
0: Oh my God.
1: And I'd say she's almost 60. That was the first time she said it out loud. She started bawling. Um, wow. And like, I, I just can't imagine how many people hold that in and don't. Yeah. And I'm, and I know I had, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I, I was just going to say, I can't thank you enough for, for being so open to come on here and talk about it because ho- I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, none of the women that are, that are listening to this podcast has gone through that. But in reality, there are so many women and there's probably at least a few of them that are going to be listening to this, that are going to be able to relate to this. And you're, you're, you're probably helping them if they're still in that situation in that current relationship, or if they're Mm. still, if they're trying to heal from it, just like hearing someone else speak about it, like that's, it's very brave of you to do. Um, because I know that just like talking about it, you're reliving those emotions again. So thank you so much for, for, for doing that for everyone that's listening.
1: (laughs) Well, I think I, I think I messaged you about this, but like when yeah. I at work, this is a different time. The So I was having lunch in the lunchroom, obviously. And there were probably, I'm going to say about 12 women. I don't know for sure. Um, and somebody brought up rape, And I, again, was like, oh, that happened to me. That was, it was really awful. And um, the whole room just kind of sat there for a second. And then every single woman in the room, except for one, had been, a victim of sexual assault, whether it would be rape or, or whatever. They and a couple of them have never talked about it. That's a lot of people in one room. Yeah. So I can't imagine the people that you meet on a daily basis that you have no idea. Like it's a it's a huge percentage of women. A hundred percent. Not just women. Yeah.
0: It's it it's it's horrible that it's still the statistics are still so high.
1: Mm. And people don't even know really no. the statistics. Are would be because people don't talk about it or they've never come forward or whatever. But
0: Exactly. Exactly. And again, like coming back to what we were talking about before, how the first initial thought is, is anyone going to believe me?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. Which makes me like, hopefully if people are hearing this and if it's talked about, I think with the Me Too movement, it's a lot more, spoken about and it's absolutely to talk about. Mm -hmm. But again, this was like 13 years ago. So um like I would not I would hope that 18 year old me would have gone to talk to someone if I had known anyone at the time that had been sexually assaulted. Anyone.
0: So if you could go back, if you could talk to your 18 year old self now, what would you tell her?
1: Oh go to the fucking police immediately. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I don't know what they do. I don't know what the procedure is, but go to the police immediately. Don't wait, don't, you, I'm sure you want evidence, which would have still been there um, and, and talk about it. Tell someone immediately. Main, th- the main thing for me is like, I, I think I'm okay with what happened to me, um, but I don't, we were friends and he had no problem doing that to me. So I can't imagine who else he may have done it to And I could have stopped it. That like haunts me. Like that makes me feel awful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Was there, was there any other, um, I guess like circumstance, you talked a little bit about domestic violence as well. Was there any other relationship that you had that, um, you'd gone through domestic violence in that relationship?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was 15, I started dating someone and we dated for about two years, um, And it was, I mean, he was fine at first, obviously everyone is. They all Um, are. Yeah. If you ignore those red flags. Yeah. Um, And then um, he pushed me at one point and I was, you know, my first love don't care. It's fine. He'll never do it again. And then I would come home with like bruises all over my arms. And um, he actually held me down in his room one time with like knives at my throat. I don't oh know what I, yeah, I don't know what I did. Not like, not that I would have done anything. I was 15 or 16 at this time. Um, like my family held an intervention for me. Um, all my friends knew, but they couldn't do anything, I guess at the time. Um, I was just lucky enough that I not lucky enough, I guess, but circumstantially um, our school took a trip to Europe and I felt safe enough because I was far away. So at that time, I think I probably used SN and messaged him and broke up with him. And that was that. I think it's just because I was far away. But so yeah, that was my first, my first love. How long were you guys together for? I want to say two years. Two
0: years. And was yeah. this like when did it start happening?
1: Probably about a year in. He would do stuff as a joke. And then okay. well, not as a joke, but I would, you know, say, don't do that. Don't hit me or don't grab me like that. Or Oh, I'm just joking. You can never take a joke. And yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. you had it happen to you as well. So yeah. You
0: know um, so I was in a relationship for, uh, those of you who are listening that know me that have known me for quite some time, probably already know, but I was in a relationship for f- almost four years. That was very much the same thing, like not the same thing, but, um, I dealt with domestic violence for out of the almost four years that we were together, it was a good like two and a half, three of those years. Like it started um, a month and a half in and it just, it never ended. And so I'm the type of person that will stick through those kinds of things because I think I can fix people. Right. And it, it, it sucks because you're going in so wholeheartedly, you're going in, you know, thinking that you, you can help them and that it's going to help the situation when in reality, you're really just breaking yourself like it's, it, it's horrible. I, I think about like, the thoughts that would go through my mind at that point in time, when I was in the middle of that and how I thought it was going to change and like this was going to be the last time it was going to happen and it never ended up being the last time. Yeah. And unlike you, I didn't have anyone in my life that knew about it.
1: I was just going to ask you that. Nobody knew?
0: No, no one knew. At at that point in time, I was really, 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 I had learned how to put a front on. So if we'd gotten into a really bad fight beforehand, um, I would just completely like shut it out. And that was at that point in my life, that's when I started disassociating myself from from things that would happen, so if we would fight, I would just completely disassociate myself and turn turn into survival mode and see, okay, what can I do to make this better? What can yeah. I do to fix this problem? Um, so that's exactly what I was doing. So for three years, it was it it just kept getting progressively worse. He had gone to um, he'd gone to the hospital a couple times uh, to psych to try and get better. And it was because, it was because I was forcing him to go. It was either I was leaving or you go and get help. And there was a few times that he agreed to it and he went to go get help and he spent a few weeks in the hospital, but it never got better. And I remember sitting with, and I was really, really mad about this conversation when it, when it first happened, but looking back at it now, like she knew exactly what was going on and she was just trying to get me out of the situation. But when I, I went to go visit him in the hospital. And so at this point I started dating him when I was 17 and I left him when I was 21. I can't remember what age I was. Um, but during, during that timeframe. Um, but I think I was, I think I was either 17 or 18 when this happened. And so he was in the hospital. I went to go visit him and, um, the nurse pulled me aside before I was able to see him and brought me into a room. And she said, she sat me down and she was like, you know, you don't have to be here. And I said, what do you mean? And she's like, you don't have to do this. And she grabbed my hands and she said it again. She said, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be here. You don't have to deal with this.
1: Her heart was probably breaking.
0: I know. And she obviously knew what was happening. Like the the guy that I was with at the time, like, he was very, you know, like the, the type of people that will come off as like sweet and innocent and be super charismatic. Yes, exactly. He wasn't like that at all. He very much. Yes. He very much came off as like a very aggressive person. Uh Um, I don't know who he is now. I haven't seen him in years, so I don't know who he would be now. I don't know who he is as a person now, and maybe he's, you know, changed from the kind of person he was when we were together, but um at that point in time hopefully I'm hoping for the best right um but at that point in time he was very aggressive and very aggressive like just like a very aggressive manner to him like the way that he spoke to people the way that his all of his mannerisms um so she when she sat me down and told me that I bursted into tears and I said I want to be here and there's nothing you can do about it. But you don't want to hear
1: what other people have to say.
0: Of course not. And, you know, at that point in time, like I was very, very, very close to my parents, but they, they didn't know anything. There was, there was nothing that, they knew about, they knew that we'd gotten into fights and he couldn't keep a stable job. And I was paying for the majority of things, but they had no idea what was going on behind closed doors. Um, His sister had a little bit of an idea because we were living at her house at at one point and um, we ended up moving out and we stayed at my parents for a while. And he was really really good when we, we were staying at my parents and then we moved to Moncton and things got worse again. Um, but I remember like there was specific times that it, that what happened, I didn't like, I, before this, before this happened, before I was in this relationship, I always said, like, I didn't, I couldn't understand why women would stay in abusive relationships. I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why, like they were choosing to stay. And it was only once I left this relationship that I realized that. It is so hard to leave it's so much harder than people who have never been in that situation understand it's just there's there's so much that ties into it and especially if you're if you're in a relationship that you know that has domestic violence there is that fear of what's going to happen if i do leave right So what are um, they going to do
1: or what's going to happen to you or
0: what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Like what's, because the one thing that he used to do to me is if, if I was threatening to leave, he would use the dogs as one. He would tell me that he was going to kill the dogs in front of me or that he was, he was going to go after my family or, you know what I mean? So it was never, it was never like direct, like, this is what I'm going to do to you. It happened on a couple of occasions, but it was mostly what, I, what I'm going to do to the people you love, like what I'm going yeah. to do to the people around everyone
1: you. that surrounds you. Exactly. And did
0: I know if he was going to do it or not? No, but did I want to take the chance? Absolutely not. No. So that was one of the reasons why I stayed so long. Um, but there was one specific time. So this is when my parents found out what was actually going on. Uh, we had, he had gotten another job. And at this point, again, like I had mentioned a while ago, I was paying for everything at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I told him that he needed to get a job or we weren't going to be, we weren't going to be able to stay in the place that we were staying in because I just couldn't afford it anymore. So he got a job and the first day of work, he called me and I said, you know, like, how did it go? And he was like, I, I, I can't do it. I, I can't work here. Oh. And I was like, okay. Um, like, what are we going to do? Like, I can't keep doing this. And he took that as I didn't care about him. Um, I didn't want this relationship to work. I was more concerned about money over anything else. I didn't care about his well-being, and he completely lashed out. So I, had he he was driving my car I had two cars at the time and he was driving my car and um he didn't come home that night and he told me that he was going to crash my car and there was nothing that I could do about it because he wouldn't tell me where he was so I stayed up all night waiting to see if he was going to come home because at this point I wasn't I wasn't even able to submit a missing person's report because they need to be missing for a certain amount of time before they'll even do anything about it. Um, And I didn't have proof of these threats that he was doing to, to end his own life. So there wasn't really any, like any physical evidence that I could give them that would give them any inkling that this was actually going to happen. So I just waited. I just, I waited on the couch and I stayed up all night. And finally the next morning he came home and when he walked in the door, he was completely just, just completely gone. And I remember that any time that like these things would happen, his face would completely change. He was like a completely different person. Um, so you walked in and they get just, a like, look in their eyes. Yes, exactly. It's exactly. like, exactly. It's, it's like, they change. It's like a completely yeah. different person. <coughs> um, so he walked in, he went straight upstairs and I went upstairs and I said, are you, are you going to talk to me? Or like, are we going to talk about this? And he said, no, get the fuck out of my face. I don't want to talk to you right now. And so I kept trying to talk to him. And finally he got out of bed. He came over and he tried to throw me down the stairs.
1: So oh, oh my God.
0: when he tried to throw me down the stairs, I went back downstairs and I was like, okay, like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have touched you. So, and that's how like
1: you saying, sorry, like, exactly.
0: Like, uh. But I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have touched you. I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have brought this up. Like, I'm really sorry. And he said, yeah, you are going to be sorry. And he took my head and he bashed it on the wall, um, which was like the front window at the time. And he looked at me and he looked at the dogs and he said, if you don't leave with the dogs right now, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill the dogs and I'm going to kill myself.
1: Holy shit.
0: And I kind of looked around and I was like, can I grab my stuff before I leave? And he said, no, you need to leave now. So I grabbed the dogs. I was so lucky at the, I guess, quote unquote, lucky at the time that he let me take my dogs. Like yeah. he let me leave with my dogs because that's the only thing that I wanted. So I left and I was working at a hotel at the time as a front desk clerk. And I went to the hotel. I called my boss on the way um, and asked her if I would be able to stay for a few days. I didn't know how long. And I I kind of explained to her the situation and she was like, yep, bring the dogs, bring everything you need. Like you can stay, you can stay as long as you want. So that's what I did. And I called my parents on the way and finally told my mom and dad what was happening and what was going on. And my parents were so shocked and my dad is very much a realist. And so he kind of, you know, was very taken back by the situation. Um, and he was like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. And I said, okay, he's like, I'm going to call the police and we're going to go from there. And I said, okay. So he called the police and there was 13 cop cars at my house that night.
1: Oh I'm I'm glad they took you seriously.
0: I'm really glad that they did too. But it was because he threatened to kill me. He threatened to kill the dogs and he threatened to kill himself. And there was guns in the house. Oh, so that's one of the reasons why they had no choice. And we were living in a duplex. So they had to call the neighbors and tell the neighbors to stay in the basement. Uh... Um, Because obviously if he's, if he was mentally unstable at the time, like.
1: They were also in
0: danger. Exactly. Everyone involved was in danger. Right even if he was, it was just like between us, it didn't matter. There was a gun involved and people around could have been in danger. So um, I, there was a policeman that came to see me at the hotel and got my statement. And um, they, they had a negotiator go to the house and call him. And it took like, I think two hours before they were able to like get him out and get him in the car. Um, But they brought him straight to the hospital and he stayed in uh, psych for I think he was only there for like maybe four or five
1: days. If they form you, you can only stay, they, they can only hold you for 72 hours.
0: Yeah, so um, he called me that same night. And so I'd called my best friend as well and kind of like told her what was happening. And like my best friend knew what was going on. Um, shout out to you, Caroline, You were she's been through this. <laughs> she, she went through everything with me when, when it came to this. And, um, so I called her, told her what was going on and she brought me dog food. She brought me clothes. Uh, she brought me food. She like, and she stayed with me the night at the, at the hotel as well, just to make sure that, you know, like everything was, was okay. And I wasn't, I wasn't okay. But at that point, like there wasn't, there wasn't much I could do. Like I, I just had to kind of, I, I didn't really know what to do. So she was that even
1: like phase you though, if he had threatened to do that so many times before like did you No, it like
0: it didn't make any sense to me that like it, it, it just it was it felt like I was watching myself through like someone else's eyes like mm-hmm. it felt like I was almost having like an out-of-body experience like I don't ever remember feeling like I was in my body at that point in time like I don't remember driving to the hotel I don't remember like checking in, like getting my keys and going up to the room. Like, I don't remember any of those things. You're in shock. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I remember, I remember him calling me that night and, you know, telling me that he was sorry and that this was (gasps) never going to happen again. And that, you know, like this was like a very big awakening for him. And did he call you from the hospital? Yeah. They let him call me from the hospital. So, okay. I said, they took his phone though. So like I answered the phone because it was coming from a, a, like a private caller, yeah, like an unknown number. So I thought it was maybe the police department that was calling me, but it was him on the other line. And I wouldn't have answered if I knew that it was him. Um, but that phone call- Well, even if you had
1: him, I would understand.
0: Exactly. Um, so I answered the phone and he was telling me how sorry he was and how it was never going to happen again. And that he was going to get on the medication that he needed. And he was going to see a doctor and he was going to see a therapist and all of these, all of these empty promises. Right. And at that point, like, that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that he wanted to change and I wanted to hear it come from him and not someone else. Um, so he asked me if I would go see him in the hospital. And I did, I went to go see him the day after. And I sat in, I sat in the room with him for five hours, and it was just going back and forth on how I was leaving him and this was what was going to happen. And I told them that at that point he was going to get one of the dogs. Um, I just didn't know which one at the time. And, uh, he was not okay with it. And I could see him getting angrier and angrier in the hotel, in the hotel, in the hospital room. And it just, it wasn't progressing. And I, again, like me being the problem solver that I am, I didn't want to leave without solving the problem. Like I didn't want to leave without having a solution. And I, I didn't have a solution. Like there was nothing that I could do. So I kind of just, decided that I was going to try it again with the empty promises that he gave me and when he got out of the hospital he came back home and the one thing that I remember is I felt so defeated because when I went back to my my house, the house was torn apart, because the police had to come in and search for the guns And so they had to, they had to go through the attic. So there was like dirt all over the bedroom um, because they had to go through the attic. There was like boot marks everywhere. Like there was like, everything was like torn to shit because they had to look everywhere to see where the firearms were. If he was hiding them anywhere, were there any in the walls? So going back into that house at that point was like, oh my God, I, this is what happened three days ago and I'm going right back in it. I'm doing this again and I knew that it I knew that I wasn't making the right decision but I wasn't ready to leave and I didn't understand why I wasn't ready to leave I just wasn't I just wasn't mentally prepared to start over again and that was that was really the moment that I that I realized why women stay for so long why women stay. Oh after they've been abused, after they've been in these kinds of situations. And some situations are, you know, absolutely wh- more horrible than mine. Um, but I, but I understand now I understand why they stay so long and I understand why they, why they want to fix the problem and why they want to fix them.
1: Um, and you're lucky you still had friends and family. Like a lot of the time they, they seclude you. They, they, yeah. Take everyone so, else out of your lives. Hmm.
0: So what had happened was, um, me and my best friend at the time, like I told her that we were, that I was trying again and we, ca- we didn't really speak to each other for, I would say like a good, like six months. Um, mm-hmm. like it was like, we would speak to each other every once in a while, but it wasn't like, I knew she knew that I was making a bad decision, and yeah. she. But, but she also knew that telling me wasn't going to do anything about it. She told me, she told me that I was making a horrible decision that I shouldn't be doing this, but was I going to listen to her at that point? I wasn't ready to. And so we kind of like, we, we stopped talking for a little while and I knew, I knew that she was disappointed that I went back and I love her so much for being so honest with me and and telling me that I shouldn't be there and that, and then when six months later, or eight months later, when um, this happened again, and it was a completely different scenario, I found out that he'd been cheating on me with my other best friend for a year, or like a best friend that I had had for a while. And then we kind of had a falling out because of him. Um, but he was cheating on me with her. And that's when I decided that I was leaving for good. And I called Caroline and I said, I need you to come here right now because we need to get rid of this stuff. And I'm leaving. And she was like i'm on my way she dropped everything and she was on her way
1: i don't know who she is but she's amazing (laughs) (laughs) she is um good job carolyn yeah (laughs) so
0: she uh she she dropped everything she came over we took all of his clothing we put it all over the driveway and i was just throwing clothing out the window and i took my computer and um, my camera gear and the dogs and I went to her place and I stayed at her place for I think four days and um so I I confronted him about it but not in person it was over the phone I said if you're not home in the next if you're not at this house in the next 30 minutes all of your stuff is going to be all over the driveway um and the the doors are going to be locked and that's going to be it I'm going to be reporting my car is stolen and he said what do you mean and I said don't don't try and tell me that you don't know what I mean. And he said, okay. And he hung up and he didn't come home that night. Um, he went to, he, I think he went to a friend's house or I'm not really sure where. Um, and then he called me that night again and I picked up the phone and I, I said, hello. And he said, hello. And I said, am I going to need a restraining order? And he said, as long as you, you know, don't bother my family and, um, I won't bother yours and you don't bother me and I won't bother you. You won't need one. And I said, okay. And I never heard from him again.
1: That's an extremely clean cut from such a like tumultuous relationship. Yeah.
0: I, um, there was like a little bit of like, there was an issue afterwards because I had had a phone in his name afterwards as well. And I was going through, um, I was going through one of his family members to kind of like get that figured out. And I talked to him like briefly for like, maybe like five seconds on the phone after that, but I've never seen him again since then. Um, we've never spoken since then. I, I don't really know what he's doing, where he is right now. Um, but I, I think obviously it's for the best and yeah, it was very like I I look back at like some of the decisions that I made when I was in that relationship. And there was just so many things that if I could go back and tell myself, like, you need to leave, like you need to go now because it could have gotten so much worse.
1: I was just going to say, you're extremely lucky. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like given the circumstances, I was very lucky that I didn't have to pursue anything. And I, I, I kind of wish that I would have that I would have gone through with pursuing charges with pressing charges.
1: But you're um, lucky you didn't get killed. Yeah. Like you're lucky your dogs are still alive. Yeah. Just all of that. Like he really could have done that.
0: Well, I and I told him too. I said, when like that last phone call, he asked me if he could have a dog and I laughed at him. And I said, There's there's no way, there's no way in hell that you were leaving with a dog after everything with that your you've done nature. to me. Yeah. I said, after everything that you've done to me, there is absolutely no way that I'm giving you something that I, one of the things that I love most in the world, there's no way. And he just kind of accepted it. And that was that. Wow. But I, I remember going, I took a little bit of time off obviously to, to try and like, you know, like figure out what I was going to do. Um, but I, I remember standing at the front desk, cause I was working at the hotel at the time. And this was like, I think this was like two weeks after it happened. I remember standing at the front desk and I said, and I wasn't planning on like telling very many people about it. Like I, at that, like, I, I lived like a pretty, like, not like super private life, but like, there wasn't really anyone in my life that really knew what happened. And um, it's really fresh. Yes, exactly. It's really fresh. I didn't really know how to swallow it. I didn't really know how to deal with it because I was still, I still disassociated myself. And what I do when I disassociate myself is I'll disassociate completely, and then when I'm ready to deal with those emotions, I'll deal with them and bring it back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't ready to do that yet, so I didn't really know how to approach it. I didn't really know how to talk about it. I didn't really know what to say because one of my first thoughts were who's going to believe me? (laughs) I was in this relationship. I was in this relationship for almost four years. Why wouldn't I leave? Why would someone believe that I was being abused? If I didn't talk about it, there was no one that knew about it. So
1: who was going to believe me? I felt like that. And I had physical bruises on me and still I was like, I might've fallen. Somebody might think I just fell like, exactly. Exactly. Awful. It's awful. It's awful that that's
0: the first thing that we think of. And then my second thought after that thought, after the thought of, um, of no, like thinking that no one was going to believe me. My second thought was how many women can I save if I tell my story, if I start telling people about it. So ever since then, ever since I thought about that part, I've been so open with, telling my story and making sure that, you know, the women that do hear the story, they're, they're able to hear it and they're able to listen. And if I've been able to, you know, convince someone with someone else with my story that they should get out of the situation that they're currently in, then I've done my job. And I'm happy with that.
1: I don't even know what resources are out there. I have no idea. Like, I don't even know what I would tell someone other than get out. It's, it's hard because I feel
0: like any of, any of the women that I've spoken to in regards to if they've gone through something similar, if they've gone through any, anything that has to do with rape or that has to do with domestic violence, it's very much like, it's almost like the the process that they have to go through doesn't contain any emotion. Like there's no, There's no one that's like telling you it's going to be okay. And it's like, okay, like, let's, let's take some pictures. Um, Let's, you know, we, we we need to get your, we need to get your, your piece. We need to get what you're going to say about this. What happened? So tell us what happened from start to finish. So it's basically reliving those emotions over and over and over again until they finally decide if they're going to do something or not. And can you imagine going through those emotions every single day and then coming to, the day that they finally tell you that they're not going to do anything. I couldn't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it, it's like, it's like, so I did this all for nothing.
1: Or even if they do do like, I know someone that this happened to and he got three months probation.
0: Yeah. three it's months not,
1: probation. That's it, nothing.
0: It's not taken seriously enough. It really, 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 really isn't. And I wish, I wish that it was, but if there is anyone listening That is going through this or that is, you know, in a similar situation or that was in a similar situation. Like, I hope, you know, that you are allowed to leave Mm. and you can tell someone go and tell someone, anyone, even if it's someone that you're sitting next to on a goddamn plane or someone that you're sitting next to on the bus. Like tell someone because this secret is going to stay with you for so long and it's going to affect you in so many other ways than you can possibly think about right now i feel
1: so much better when i talk about it absolutely
0: yes i I feel the same way and i didn't talk about it publicly for a long time like the first time that i ever um that i ever like talked about it publicly was like maybe a month and a half ago i kind of mentioned yeah i kind of mentioned like in a post that i'd gone through Um, something along those lines. And I didn't really go into detail. Um, but I wanted to do a podcast episode on it with someone that had gone through something similar, that got that had gone through um a domestic violence relationship because it is really hard to talk about. And I don't think I would have been able to sit here and record an episode by myself.
1: Yeah.
0: And knowing what to say, like what what was I going to say? And I was very fearful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I was just, I was very fearful of, again, if someone, you know, if people were going to believe me or if people thought that I was going to, that I was doing this for attention or that I was doing this because I I wanted the attention on me. Like, that's just, that's not, that's not what I wanted people
1: to believe. I didn't know if I, Like, I know I told you, I did want to do this, but at the same time, I know a lot of people that I know listen to your podcast and watch, you know, follow you um, through everything. And I was terrified that someone might think that it wasn't real even now. Like, because if anyone knew me at that stage, they would know what I was like and that I was drunk and wild. And like, I just, I'm still scared of people saying that. And I'm 32. I'm an adult. I'm a mom. I am a wife and I'm still scared of what Somebody might think. I don't know. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I'm. I know what you mean. Because I'm feeling the same exact way.
0: I feel the same way. I'm like, are people going to believe me? Are they going to think that I'm uh, that you know that I'm exaggerating that I'm exaggerating that I'm making this dramatic or that I'm that I'm doing all of these things? But I'm I'm not. And I'm just I'm really my sole purpose of this sole purpose of this podcast is. If anyone is listening and if they're going through the same thing, I hope that this helps them in some way to
1: leave. I have an extra room. I have a I, I have <laughs> as much
0: space as you need. I have dogs that will cuddle you and that Aim. will give you kisses. Like whatever you need, like reach out to someone, tell someone about it. And I'm also going to link some resources in the in the show notes as well for what you can do if you're in this kind of situation. Mm. Um any kind of any kind of help that you might need to leave because telling someone, you know, can be very helpful, but being proactive about it can be even more helpful and can actually, because as we
1: position. both know, even if you tell someone, you don't want to listen to that person. Exactly. Like, you exactly. You're you exactly. advice.
0: Exactly. My, you know, my best friend at the time, she, she knew that I wasn't going to stay in that relationship forever, but she knew, she also knew that I needed the time to, mm. to figure out what I needed to do and how I was going to do it. And I respect her so much for, for being able to respect that and for being so kind about it and for being just the best person that I could have, the best friend that I could have asked for at that point in time. Like she was everything that I needed to get through that.
1: And still being there, even after you, not that you brushed her off, but like she knew you knew you still went ahead and did it. Exactly. Like she still there. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And I think honestly, like, I think it brought us closer because she like she was there for everything. She knew about everything after that point on. And she just kind of like she looked at she looked at everything from a distance and she she still stayed there. Like there was no like cutoff of communication. It mm-hmm. was just kind of like, I'm gonna give you some time to figure out what you need to do. But I, I hope you know that I'll be there when you want to leave.
1: Yeah. And
0: I I, I can't thank her enough for that. And I just have
1: a question for you though. We're so scared to tell people. Mm -hmm. Has anyone ever said they don't believe you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never had anyone doubt what I said. So that I know of no one said it to my face.
0: So no one said it to my face. Um, but I had heard it through the vine that, So I had a really good friend, um, when I was in school, um, and didn't, obviously she didn't know that this was happening at the time because no one knew, but after we broke up, like we, me and that friend were not close anymore. And it had nothing to do with my relationship at the time. It was just, we were just not close anymore. Um, And I heard through the vine that she was saying that I was crazy and that there's no way that this kind human being could ever do something like that to another woman that could ever do something like that to another person. And I remember sitting there and hearing that information and being like, this is exactly what I was fearful of. This is exactly what I was scared of. And so that's why that's that whole situation then and there was exactly why it took me so long to be public about it and to share my story um and even now like I'm like you can hear my voice shaking I know (laughs) because I just like there's releasing this episode for me is going to be is going to be so big because again like I i've never spoken about it in such detail publicly i've spoken about it to my friends and to people that are close to me um or if the topic was to come up i've spoken about it then but i've never i've never spoken about it publicly for those exact reasons and i'm i'm happy that i'm doing it today because i i really hope that i'm i'm able to help someone that might be going through that or a similar situation or who is still in a relationship like that. And that wants to leave and that feels stuck. Um, because that was the first time in my life that I felt stuck, that I felt like I couldn't do anything that I couldn't leave. And if I left, there was going to be something bad that was going to happen to me or my family or the people around me. Hmm. So what what was I supposed to do? Right.
1: I'm so glad you left. (laughs)
0: I'm so glad too. And another thing too, is that when I left, when I finally left and I was getting back on my feet, like I remember feeling so good. I was, I bought a car, I bought a new car two weeks after I left him, I was thriving in my business. I was, you know, like I, there was all of these good things that were happening to me. And I, but I, I didn't think that I needed help at that point in time. I thought, okay, like all of these good things are happening. It means that I did the right thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm in the right track. Everything's I behind don't, you. Exactly. I don't need therapy. I don't need anything like that. And it's only now that those things, those emotions that I was feeling back then are coming back to haunt me. And that's one of the reasons why I had to start going to therapy <laughs> My my anxiety and my my depression and all of those things stemmed from that relationship.
1: Yeah. I need to go. I need to. I have yeah. postpartum depression and I'm supposed to go for that. So I might as well just wrap them both up. It all. And <laughs> yeah. it was literally the hardest thing for
0: me was booking that first session. It it's was... so
1: hard right now. Yes, exactly. You can't go, you can't go see anyone. So if I don't want to, I did call. Um, um, And they called me back and left a message and I just haven't called back. No reason. I just, you, you, but you can just not call back right now. It's hard. It's,
0: it's really hard. It's really hard. And again, like the hardest thing for me was booking that first session. And then when I booked the session and I actually had the session, I was like, fuck, Uh, (laughs) um, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things to unpack here. Um take a not, seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um welcome, uh welcome to the show, guys. Uh thanks for being here. Um, but no, I, I remember sitting back after that first session and being like, holy f- shit, why did I not start this before? Why did I why did I wait so long to, to do this? And so now anytime that I felt like anytime that I would have a bad day before that I would have, you know, uh, anxiety attacks or panic attacks, or I I was feeling really depressed for like very large amounts of time. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I, I didn't know what to do. There wasn't, there wasn't really anything proactive that I was doing. And now when I have a bad day, I will book a therapy session for the following week and I'll probably get to that following week and feel like I don't need it. Feel like I'm like I'm I'm fine. Like I don't why Just why because did I do you therapy? know you're going? Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm not having a bad day today. So like, I don't need therapy and I'll still stick to it. And then I'll end up sobbing during that therapy session or having a complete like mental breakdown during that therapy session, because I needed it because I was being proactive on the day that I wasn't doing good. And now Mm -hmm. on the day that I am doing good, I'm, I'm working through those feelings that I was feeling before
1: it's like when people stop taking their medication because they're feeling better or just anything like that.
0: Exactly. So that's what I found, um, helped me like that's because I felt like anytime that I would have those, anytime that I would have an anxiety attack or a panic attack or these big like ruts of being depressed, I, I just felt stuck. I felt like I was back in that relationship where I was feeling stuck. I was Mm -hmm. feeling like I couldn't do anything that I couldn't be proactive. I couldn't, what was I supposed to do to get myself out of this rut? And this is, this is what has helped me just the, the, I guess like the mentally, the, the mental part of like booking. Just like the mental release. Yes. The mental (laughs) release. (laughs) Exactly. Of booking of clicking book now for that session for the (laughs) following week. I'm like, okay, I'm not okay today but I'm going to be next week once I go to my therapy appointment.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, fuck now I have to book an appointment. (laughs) You you peer pressured me, (laughs) which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. This is peer pressure in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. This is allowed. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, um, I guess like, thank you so much, um, again, for being on this podcast. I'm so happy that we were, that we were able to unpack all of this and, and talk about this in, um, in a public way. Like, I think I'm really hoping that, you know, once this episode comes out, um, that we're able to at least help one of, if we, if out of the thousands of people that listen to this podcast episode, if there's at least one of them that we were able to help, I, that that's my goal that's, that's really my goal. Um, so thank you so much for being so open about all of this and <laughs> being, and, and just being on here and talking about this openly. Um, but is there anything that you want to say before we end this episode?
1: Um, just since that's happened, I don't think I've ever let anyone tell me what to do or take control of me in any way. And it's amazing. I do what I want for me all of the time, which is, I'm sorry for Colby because (laughs) like, I am very strongly opinionated and I do whatever I want. And I just think that that is such a freedom. And if you're not doing that, because I know a lot of your listeners are younger, I'm 32, so I'm old AF, Um, (laughs) but you need to, (laughs) you need to start doing that. Even it doesn't, you don't have to wait for a traumatic moment for it to happen, but I used to always wait for other people's opinions or they're okay or do things for yourself and be in control of your own life and just like love your life as much as you can.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, Well, thank you again so much for being on this episode. I can't thank you enough. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And you know, if you, again, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to add some links in the show notes um, that if you are in in a situation like this, that you can get help and you are allowed to leave and you do deserve better. So thank you so much, Annalise.
1: Thank you for having me. See ya. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh